Hello, everyone. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host author Emma Pulova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavan and the Lowell Ledger, our hometown newspaper in Lowell, Michigan. Today, I will be chatting with the publisher of the UP Reader, Victor Walkman, about volume seven of this spiffy magazine. Victor will announce the giveaway of the UP Reader at the end of the interview. Victor Volkman is the current president of the Upper Peninsula Publishers and Authors Association. He is senior editor at Modern History Press, which is lately specializing in UP themed fiction, history, and poetry. He has been a traditional publisher now in his 20th year of operations. Hello, Victor. How are you on this beautiful day? Thanks, Emma. It's a pleasure to be invited back in 20 years. I should be exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have the right, not yet. Not okay. yet, right? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, tell us why you can never be a youper. I love that line. Why can you never be a youper? Oh, yes. Uh, youpers are born, not made. Excellent. <laughs> because most people don't know that. And now it's the time to travel, right? A lot of people be will be heading up north. Could you tell us about the UP Reader and its mission? Right. Uh, our mission is to uh, to get more people exposed to the, the great writers of, of literature that we have here in the Upper Peninsula. And that includes poetry, includes fiction, includes nonfiction, like uh, personal essays and remembrances of and my favorite are the, the crazy things that people did as a kid that should have got them killed, but they survived. They survived. <laughs> All kinds of stories. Uh, it's a great uh, launching point for writers who aren't ready to tackle a novel format or some long format. And it helps them build a resume. And it's, it's, uh, it's jury uh, tested. So we only print the best of what we get. All right. What inspired the creation of this? Well, Michael Claussen, who uh, is the founder of UP Reader, and he does all of the cover photos, it was his idea that, you know, that we have so many voices in the Upper Peninsula that aren't uh, being heard because there's no place to, to, to broadcast them, as it were. So the UP Reader platform is in paperback, a hardcover, ebook, and audiobook. So if there's a way that you like to listen or read stories we can get to you and it's distributed you know worldwide through ingram so it doesn't matter if you're in the hungary or australia you can get the up reader how about the target audience is it all the way i mean from kids that you have that dandelion in there right so it targets also kids or not necessarily well, it, it's it's for readers of all ages, you know, from eight to eighty-eight. Uh, I am particularly proud of the Dandelion Cottage Award, and thanks for for bringing that up because mm -hmm. that gives our, our youngest writers in grades five through twelve a chance to to showcase their work and really shine. And as Larry Bg, who created the contest, said, "Look, they're going to be our replacements." So <laughs> hopefully, right. Forget about what you think about the way kids write. These are compelling stories, and yes. they're fun to read. Uh, 
so that's part of our mission too is is to expose the literature of young writers to the world okay i'm fascinated by the content which is a beautiful mix of fiction and nonfiction in volume seven how is it different from volume six i'm glad you mentioned that in the past volumes we did not tell the reader what it was fiction or nonfiction. <laughs> they had to guess and a lot of times i wasn't even sure and i get to the point where i'm afraid to ask the writer because i might offend them <laughs> so it's all there in black and white now and we uh, we went out of our way to interleave fiction nonfiction poetry fiction nonfiction poetry so mm -hmm. you're going to be if you're just browsing reading from end to end you're going to be exposed to all kinds of literature not just jam all the poetry into one part of the back that nobody looks at or or what have you and uh, the other thing that I'm particularly proud of is, is the comprehensive index. I mean, I guess I'm a geek, but in volume seven, we'll show you where all the writing is in all the previous volumes. So if you find a writer that you like, you could just flip to the back, look up their name and say, oh, look, they were in issues one, three, and four. I can get those, you know, and, and, and read more from this person. Because that's, I grew up reading science fiction anthologies. That was mm -hmm. my thing. And you never know, well, where can I get more from this author? Because right. List that kind of thing. I've noticed that because I was interviewing Hilton Moore today and I went through the index of authors and he was mentioned there with two stories that were included in volume five. Yeah, Hilton is one of our top tier writers. He's, he's uh -huh. quite a fine storyteller. Yeah. How many authors does it take to compile one volume of you, reader? <laughs> what does it take? <laughs> it takes, well, I mean, our earlier volumes were a lot thinner, but we're now at about 40 authors, including okay. a total of about 60 pieces. And that gets us up near 90,000 words, which is at the point where we can just make it affordable. We, we, we are not going to go above 1995 because we don't want to make an anthology that's so big like a right. doorstep that nobody can afford it. That nobody can afford. How long does it take to put one volume together? One year or longer or how? I when, do I <laughs> when do you start? When do you start? Or do you uh, have like a reservoir? <laughs> well, let's say from, from June 1st, we will start collecting stories and nonfiction for volume eight, and that will run all the way until November 15th, okay. just before Thanksgiving. And then we start the jurying process, which takes about, uh, let's say five or six weeks. You finish that up about mid-January. And then uh, we start working on that stuff, but the Dandelion Cottage doesn't uh, complete until uh, February 1st. Okay. There's a separate jury for the Dandelion Cottage that takes two or three weeks. So towards the end of February, we finally got all the materials, and then we start the heavy-duty proofreading and stuff, and Randy Thomas starts recording the audiobook. And I don't know about if you've ever tried it, but the, the best way to find uh, errors in a document are to read it out loud. To it's read it, yeah. Infallible. So we discover more things, <laughs> and then... In mid-March, it goes to the typesetter, our good friend Mikhail Splow in uh, Bratislava. And then uh, April 1st is the release date, so. 
Oh, That's how the sausage is made. Wow, you're on <laughs> a like tight five, schedule. You're it's on like a... five months, actually. Five Six months. months. What is the biggest challenge of putting this together? It feels like, you know, we can only do so much editing, and we try to edit as little as possible to retain the author's voice, but. You know, I find that some authors are allergic to semicolons and stuff like that. So we have a galley proof period of two weeks where, you know, they can, we have the final product. It looks just like the one in your hand, except we give every, each one of those 40 authors the chance to put their two cents in. And we say, please, please only change things that are actually mistakes and typos, but then they they get creative. So there's a, the feedback cycle can be very stressful for me, whether we have 40 people sending back corrections and I send it to the typesetter, the typesetter sends it back to me and I mm -hmm. send it back to them and they say, oh no, this is all right, except for this, this and this. Uh, yeah, understand. How about the most gratifying part? I still, I there's nothing like the thrill of when that that box of books lands in the mail and you're like, wow, we actually did it. We did it. Any surprises along the way doing it? Oh, well, for sure. Um, I mean, the, the stories from our young writers are just always amazing. I don't know if you made it to the end, but there's one about a, 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 a dojo in a refrigerator, right? all of the foods in the refrigerator are squaring off against the spoiled foods. And it's like two factions. Okay. Oh, I didn't make it that far. <laughs> warring for control of the refrigerator. And it's amazing <laughs> surprise stories like that. That is cool. What do you feel you did right in volume seven? No one could have done it like you. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I, I like the way that we, we used to do them alphabetically or reverse alphabetically by author, mm -hmm. okay, which meant you'd often get clumps of fiction together or all the poetry yeah. would be stuck together. Sure. This one, we threw that out the window and we we don't go alphabetically by author, but we sort of do it by genre so that we have alternating stuff. Mm -hmm. That came out right. I think we have a really nice collection. I mean, you can't see it on the podcast, of the clip art from Michael Claussen's collection. Okay. Just to fill in the odd spaces at the end of a story. It wasn't even something that we originally planned to do, but mm -hmm. our typesetter was like, do you have anything that can fill this in? I'm like, yeah, we do, probably. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a good thing. What would you have done differently? Well, you know, there's, there's always improvement <laughs> in, in any product. Um, Probably, if I'm going to be totally honest, we should have set the bar higher and maybe only took contributions instead of 60 stories, maybe 54 or 52. Okay. It, is, it is so big uh, that we're really busting at the seams for a 1995 book. Um, and there, there's something else that's always sort of bothered me. I can't get my hands around it. Well, you did it yourself. You call it a magazine. We really want to be known as a, as a book, and we'll okay. see, you know, librarians will will send them copies to the library, and they'll throw it in the magazine pile section. Uh -huh. no, don't throw oh, it in the magazine. Please don't do that. 
<laughs> I could have gone a traditional six by nine book format, right? Yeah. But we wouldn't have been able to include so many people. And that's the whole point of it. Right. Um, that's why we went with the large format is to get more people involved. So there's always trade-offs, especially in print. I mean, yeah. you can just go nuts, but, uh, you know. What are some of the takeaways from volume seven of the UP reader? Uh, well, uh, I mean, there's areas for improvement, which which we just covered, but mm -hmm. I think that the, the thing is the remarkable diversity. There is no such thing as a, a UP writer. I mean, they all have completely different perspectives on life and they're telling completely different stories. I mean, they're not, it's not a book of 40 different stories about deer hunting or Right, right. Like I've noticed all. interviewing yes. them and reading their stories. They're completely different. I've noticed that. I'm I glad that the, you brought that up. I love the story about the woman who who, who goes to garage sales and she, <laughs> she accidentally gets a souvenir, a, a medal from someone who was in Vietnam. And that leads oh. her into correspondence with somebody who knew the guy. And they go and they, oh, wow. they visit the wall in Washington. I just breaks me up to talk about it it's it's so well written i couldn't believe it was fiction <laughs> <laughs> okay what's next for you for the up reader volume eight are you gonna make oh you can't make it bigger right because you no. need to keep the price under 20 right yeah. We're gonna mm -hmm. we're gonna dial up the quality until mm -hmm. we get the right number of stories to fit and some people will be disappointed but uh, anyone can submit uh, two different stories, so maybe only one of your stories gets in, and you can resubmit it for next year, which right. brings us to the whole process. All you got to do is become a member of the Upper Peninsula Publishers and Authors Association, and you can submit your stories. There is no fee to, to submit your materials. So head on over to uppaa.org, click on Join or Renew, Plunk down your $40 and uh, you'll get a conference that we're holding in, in June. You can still get to the June conference on June 10th for no extra charge. That's all included in the $40 and all of our other benefits as well. Any other criteria for people who want to submit their work? Oh, well, yeah, in the back we have the, the formal list. Uh, okay. There's a limit of 5,000 words. Mm-hmm. And we're sticklers that it should not have been published anywhere online or in print. Okay. We want this to be all new material. Uh, and it, it makes it a lot more special. If Sure. I appreciate anthologies of reprinted material, but this is not that. That's not that. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. All right. Would you like to read to us all right, a piece go. from go this go. awesome volume with that awesome cover photo by Michael Klassen. All right, we're on page 58. I'm reading from A Call in the Night by Julie Dickerson. Okay, got it. Christmas Eve, magical words, full of anticipation and excitement, and everyone wishes for snow that night. It is only right that Santa flies through the sky with the snow falling around his sleigh and reindeer. The wish for a carpet of white and a snow-frosted landscape is only fitting for this enchanted night. But it was not so for our family. How my sister, brother, and I wished it would not snow. 
Our father was the one who drove the snowplow. He cleared and salted the roads in winter. He was often called away to do his job anytime the unpredictable Michigan weather required the job be done. But Christmas could not be celebrated with dad not there. It just wasn't right. So we would wait for him when he was absent on Christmas morning. How hard it was after waiting through all the long, dark December days. How frustrating knowing that all around town, our friends and their families were opening gifts and celebrating. Begrudgingly, we waited until he returned from plowing the roads for Christmas Day. So this evening, we were hoping the snow would not come. We busied ourselves with getting ready for our traditional Christmas Eve. We went to our grandpa, Van Ramdocks, for dinner and gifts. Our Uncle Max and Aunt Pat came with our cousins. The sparkling silver Christmas tree from the department store glimmered in Grandpa's parlor with a light that went round and round and turned the tree different colors, red, yellow, green, and blue. It was marvelous to watch. We would never have a tree like that. Ours was always a scotch pine cut from the woods. We talked and laughed, and Grandpa would play the organ. We stared out the windows as he played, looking across the streets where all the houses were glowing with Christmas lights and the warmth of their Christmas festivities. It was a different world from our home in the country. We enjoyed our visits into town to see Grandpa's world. At last, it was time to open our gifts from Grandpa. As we opened them, we talked with our cousins about Christmas morning. This was just the prelude to the glories of gift opening tomorrow. Our excitement put a bounce in our steps as we walked around Grandpa's big front porch and down the steps. See you tomorrow, said Eric, my cousin, as we got into our cars. His family would be over on Christmas Day to exchange gifts among families and share tales of our Christmas morning. As we drove home, we noticed the snow was starting to fall. It came toward our windshield like daggers piercing the night. It was hard to see, so Dad dimmed the headlights. I hope this doesn't keep up, said Mom. We all echoed her hopes in our minds without saying a word. Reluctantly, we went to bed and conjured up memories of Christmas past. We were all sound asleep when the phone rang. Dejected, we knew what it meant. Only Mr. LeClaire, Dad's boss, called in the middle of the night. Dad answered the call as he stumbled out to our phone on the wall. We heard him say, Okay, in a sleepy voice. Off he went into the snowstorm where the wind made drifts of snow across the road. He headed toward the county road commission garage where he would climb up into the big snowplow truck with his route in hand. He would drive into the darkness with the snow steadily falling and swirling around. It was a lonely job. If the snow stopped, he could be done in a few hours. If the storm raged on, he could be gone a long time. A blizzard once kept him at work for days. Luckily, the storm wasn't a blizzard this night, so Dad was home by 8.30 a.m. Christmas morning, which was much later than the 5 a.m. starting time we had chosen for Christmas but that was okay. Dad was tired, but always a good sport. He drank some coffee as we started opening our gifts, and Mom reminded us that our cousin's gift opening was over and ours was just beginning. There's more to it, but I'll leave it at that. All right. Great. That was cool. Very cool. Would you like to announce the details of your gift giveaway of the yep. UP Reader Volume 7? Only one lucky person will receive a free copy of UP Reader Number 7. And to do that, you will send email to president at uppaa.org. That's president 
at sign uppaa.org, and that will come to me. Excellent. Parting shots from each one of us. You first, Victor. You're my guest, and you know a lot, more than I do. <laughs> Would you believe that 299 different authors have graced the pages of UP Reader in the seven issues that we have published? No, that's, that's amazing. It's stunning. There are more writers up here in the UP than, than you could possibly imagine, and we're discovering more every day as they sign up and come to our conference. So head on over to uppaa.org and join us. When is your conference and where is it at? Uh, June 10th in the lovely Peter White Library in downtown Marquette. It runs from, uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, we start kind of late because people need to drive long distances in the UP. Yeah. Uh, everyone's welcome and it's the only place you're going to get a free lunch. I believe that. And my parting shots are get this volume seven, right? Now's mm. the time to do it. People are up north traveling. So write indie, buy indie, and read indie. Read your local newspapers for inspiration. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Happy Memorial Day.